Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Read the Room podcast. I'm Chandler. And I'm Melissa. And this is the podcast about books, relationships, and the relationships in books. Okay, so before we start every episode, um, today we're going to be talking about Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. But first, we're actually going to talk about what books we're reading in our personal life. So Chandler, take it away. Well, it, this isn't really the book I'm currently reading because I touched <laughs> on that in the Twilight episode. Yeah. A little peek behind the screen, everybody, but we're recording more than one episode at a time. <laughs> Anyone seeing Quit us right him. now can see that we're in the same clothing and have the same things. <laughs> But I recently read The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. I touched on A Closed and Common Orbit at the top of last episode, Evelyn Hugo episode. If you haven't listened to that yet, feel free to go to that one. But you don't have to. You can listen to this one first. You hear her anyway. Why not? But yes, it is the... Well, it's not really a prequel. It's, it's the first book of the two. Well, of the three in the Wayfarer series by Becky Chambers. It's just a fun romp through space about a, a great, you know, crew on a spaceship. Uh, people of all sorts. Well, not just people, but different <laughs> uh, alien species of all sorts. Ooh. And I do just love how Becky Chambers can incorporate, like, modern day stuff like polyamory oh. and, you know, different family dynamics when it comes to raising kids into these different alien species and no one can be like oh like that's so like stupid like that doesn't make sense it's like what do you mean it doesn't make sense it's aliens you know come on she just does a great job of that it's basically like a road trip through space for the whole time uh you'll learn to love all the characters they're all very unique i mean they're all like aliens so that's cute <laughs> very unique in their own ways and it's just uh it's just a good time it's a very i, I love becky chambers because it's a very easy way to access sci-fi because sci-fi has always been this genre that's like very white male dominated and like the way that they talk about women and sex is like Thanks a lot dune very back yeah yeah <laughs> um so i feel like becky chambers is writing this stuff as a way to like bring people in who wouldn't otherwise have wanted to read sci-fi because of that sort of a thing you have my interest yeah i'm gonna make you read <clears throat> becky chambers i will i will it's for be sure great. And honestly, there's relationships in those stories for us to we talk about. We love a good really, And honestly, I'm open to us talking about like fantasy books or sci-fi as well. Okay, good. It doesn't just have to be contemporary ones. I mean, it but. isn't already. Like we're talking historical fiction with mm -hmm. Taylor Jenkins totally. Reid. Yeah. I mean, um, it's on the cusp, I feel like. But yeah, yeah, it's true. All right. So that is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which is also just a great name of a book. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, Come on. Good. It's it's a little rambly, but... I like short like and poetic. to the point. Like yeah. Daisy Jones and the Six. Just That's kidding. still like <laughs> I know, it's a five joke. words. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Um, what are you reading? <laughs> or what have you read um, that you want I to just wrote, I just wrote... I wish I wrote this book. Man. Um, it's called Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. So this is like... So the Fourth Wing book took us all by storm this year and that was like the biggest fantasy release until divine rivals so divine rivals came out it's a little bit more ya and i hate ya i do not relate to teenagers but 
this book is so good so it's essentially about two authors so you would hate it because you hate reading about authors yeah the classic author <laughs> self-insert into the book i get it yeah, but, yeah it's funny so it's about well they're it's two writers so they're both journalists sorry i said authors they're journalists and Same they thing. they get linked by ma- magical typewriters so in this universe that they live in oh. it's like controlled by gods and there's like a, a massive war going on with gods but it's very like it's kind of like taylor jenkins read how she like takes real life elements and puts them into something so it seems much more believable mm. like the universe it's grounded that's, yeah so that's kind of like this it's like they're working a very like the book starts out where they're at their work and they're like work enemies these two characters and that's how it starts it's very like and then you learn there's like this war about gods and then you learn about the typewriter and it starts to get more like fantasy but like very subtly it's it's like very very slow world building but anyways the point is is they're writing to each other and he knows that it's her his like rival from work and she doesn't know it's him and um they essentially are linked through this i don't want to give too wow, much away way to give the man all no. the power here huh? oh yeah i guess so that i hate and that happens but the that like i did just spoil that she doesn't know who he is and he knows but that's like literally within the first chapter oh, so that's not spoiling. <laughs> it like happens yeah. it happens pretty fast and then the book just escalates like the fact that it starts in an office with them being work rivals and builds to like this insane fantasy war is like the most wild thing anyways the book is quite short as well and the next book in the series is coming out i think in november or oh, december those are the books that you're saying that i definitely need to no, read oh okay, that's i'm mind. trying to get you to read fourth wing before okay, i get this fourth, fourth wing's wing. bigger but divine rivals is still really huge i really really enjoyed it i didn't expect to enjoy it because magical typewriters pardon so random i feel like you would love to magical oh my god after dragons and like a dragon academy freaking fourth wing oh, that was hard to like jump to divine rivals but divine rivals did really well the thing that jumped out to me was magical typewriters <laughs> i was like oh it's like old school too like they have these like really special t- anyways you have to read it um it's a fast read i read it in one sitting it was one of those oh, it I was love those. so good when, what was the last book that you read in the one sitting was it that one um one sitting i'm looking at my past no it was the house in the cerulean sea by tj clune but we'll talk about that next episode i'm gonna use that as my book for next one gotcha but um divine rivals if you haven't read it or heard of it definitely check it out i know it's ya but ignore that it's still really good for all ages hey you know what we're still young adults are we though technically <laughs> i think so i'm almost 40 i hate no you're not <laughs> you're not even like 35 <laughs> in like a month i am but yeah that's what i'm reading right now so we can talk about daisy jones a book we've both read all right quick little synopsis for Daisy Jones and the Six before we get into it. Daisy is a girl coming of age in L.A. in the late 60s, sneaking into clubs on the Sunset Strip, sleeping with rock stars, and dreaming of singing at the Whiskey A Go-Go. The sex and drugs are thrilling, but it's rock and roll she loves most. By the time she's 20, her voice is getting noticed, and she has the kind of heedless beauty that makes people do crazy things. Also getting noticed is The Six, a band led by the brooding Billy Dunn. On the eve of their first tour, his girlfriend Camilla finds out she's pregnant, and with the pressure of impending fatherhood and fame, Billy goes a little wild on the road. A little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> understatement. Yeah. Daisy and Billy cross paths. When a producer realizes that the key to supercharged success is to put the two together, what happens next will become the stuff of legends. The making of that legend is chronicled in the riveting and unforgettable novel, written as an oral history of one of the biggest bands of the 70s. You, sorry, before we jump into the book, what did you think of the show? I liked it. You know, you? I feel like a, a big part of reading the book that I felt I was missing. I liked the book. Probably gave it four stars yeah. as well. Um, of course you did. 
I gave it five for the record. Uh, yeah, you give everything five stars. <laughs> I do not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the one thing when I was reading through, just like Evelyn Hugo and her movies, because yeah. like, okay, yeah, I get that like we can watch Little Women, and I love yeah, yeah, Little totally. Women, especially Greta Gerwig's most recent adaptation of it. Yeah. But one of the big things reading Daisy Jones was like, oh, I wish I could listen to these songs. Mm, yeah. So I got to experience those songs in the the show. Yeah. But And I know, think they did a good job with the songs too. They did do a good job, but it's also like they're not going to get groundbreaking genre defining music yeah, when they're just getting it for like a, yeah. TV and the soundtrack. lyrics were already written in the book, so they had to like find a way to make those work in songs that could be sold. That was also one of the things I loved about the book was that in the back, they just had like all the lyrics of the songs. So you could at least read them, but that was also why I was like, oh, I wish I could. I also skimmed them. I was like, okay, this is a song. Like without hearing them, I was like. It's poetry, Alyssa. It's poetry. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not as deep as you, Jen. Yeah, whatever. Um, So you liked the show. I liked the show too. I had a very different reaction to the characters in the show versus reading the book. So like obviously I loved the book. I gave it five stars. But one of the things for me was I actually really disliked Daisy. Like almost the whole way through the book I was like who is this chick? Like she is just too much for me. Wait you disliked her in the book? Yeah. And then in the show they made her much more likable in my opinion. You know you could connect with her a little more. The fashion there was like I guess maybe I'm just saying that she was more aesthetically pleasing to the eyes. Oh you you saw an attractive woman you're like oh I like her now. Yeah I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. So but that's not (laughs) what I mean. There was just something about about how they wrote her in the show and like I think that you could empathize for her a little bit more than I could in the book which is interesting because I I feel like there's a lot more empathy when it comes to book characters than movie characters I did empathize her it's just she it was like I think the one thing too is in the show everything the timeline is kind of shortened compared to when you're reading it in a way for example Billy's addiction in the show was so small it was like half an episode where they really like or maybe like one episode where they really dug into like him going through it whereas in the book that was like half the book well i mean he was going through addiction the whole time but like you mean binging yes sorry he was like actively and yeah i mean he's always an addict i don't know the verbiage on this you know what i'm trying to say like he was you know doing drugs and drinking for like for like a lot of the books and he was relapsing in parts of it and struggling and that wasn't really touched in the show it was very much like romanticized in like okay he's better now he just he doesn't like like it was almost viewed like he just doesn't like seeing daisy like that Whereas in the book, he was so dislikable. And then in the show, he was likable because it was like all of their worst traits were like way bigger in the book, I guess. They were kind of skimmed in the show. Well, I think we do need to touch on the formatting of the book. Yeah, the for narration sure. narration where it was different um, interviews with various members of the band, whether it's on the phone or video interviews. Mm-hmm. And they kind of present, well, they didn't really present the show that. that way, right? Like They did. They did present the show that way. They, they asked a question, I think, in the promo for the show, and then it showed each band member answer that question differently. They did, yeah, but like that's where the difference came. The oh, it was so came. much in the book. But when, yeah. it, but when it came to what actually happened, like in yeah. the show, they have to show us yeah. a series of events. Yeah. So to us, we're like, oh, that's what actually happened. And I like yeah, to take yeah. that interpretation of the show where it's like, this is actually how things played out. And it might be different from how we read it. Yeah, because totally. how we read it was entirely depicted by the characters within it. And that was like the biggest thing. Remember that episode when Daisy and Billy kiss outside the studio? 
Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. So in the in the book, like everybody who read it when that happened, I remember going on the internet and everybody being like, "That didn't happen in the books. They didn't kiss." And then I was like, "Yeah, they did. They're just unreliable narrators." And especially to who the narrator is mm, they're yeah. not going to admit that because nobody else knows why would they ever incriminate themselves in oh, this situation shit. so of course they kiss and so everyone was so pissed that they like changed the book and i was like they didn't change the book you just saw how unreliable the narrators yeah, are you saw the true yeah, events literally. as they happened mm-hmm. uh not just hearing about them from the people that they happened to which is yeah. A very, I love that way. Did you like things. having it through interviews and transcripts? Oh, yeah. I yeah. loved it. No, it was great. Wait, did, did you read the audiobook as well? Like, oh what do you mean, listen to the audiobook? Listen, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I did you not. You should. I'll oh, give you my they, audible. Do they have different voices? Yeah, for and it's like people? famous people. Oh, that's so cool. So, and like Karen's voice is so perfect in it, and the way that they do it, and like there's like, they do like the crinkling of like, like, you know what I mean? Like little stuff like that. Like, Welcome is this thing on? Welcome to ASMR. Yeah, like they totally do stuff like that. So I read physical and then I did the auto audiobook and then I watched the show. And I think the best way to consume it is the audiobook. Because it is such an audio forward um, oh, it was so good. type of book. You know, it's about yeah. music, of course. Specifically uh, rock in the 70s, which I love. You yeah. know, um your favorite Almost movie. famous yeah. was well one of my favorite movies, but I definitely I spent like the past year working as a music journalist. Yeah, you know? like yeah. it's uh, it's your passion. It really really hits me. It's it's awesome. So I had a question. So we talked a little bit about Daisy already, and like how I felt with her movie versus book. What did you think of Daisy overall? Like, what were your thoughts on her? Oh, she was great. You, you loved know? her. She was like, I mean, I know that Taylor Jenkins Reid framed so much of Daisy Jones and the Six on Fleetwood Mac totally. and Stevie Nicks and that but whole she's situation. So much, Stevie Nicks is very likable. Daisy Jones is not. I think it depends. You know, like I, 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 so. I think it depends on time. the the framework, like the reference point. Because mm-hmm. like we're thinking Stevie Nicks as like this rock goddess. This icon. You know, yeah. Uh, of the past. But like mm-hmm. imagine how we might have felt about her at the time. Yeah, that's true. As 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 a celebrity, you know, we touched on that within our Evelyn Hugo episode. Yeah, of like people, you know, keeping up with how what celebrities are up to, who they're dating, what the yeah. drama is. And in a very misogynistic world, if there's drama between, you know, two people in a band, and it's looking like this amazing band might break up because of um, relationship drama. Yeah. I could see society like turning against the woman in that situation because that's usually Always. what happens. Yeah, um, that even happens now in 2023. Yeah, so I feel like in the 70s, uh, like yeah. yeah, you know, you were talking about like how Taylor Swift got so much shit for like yeah. dating people and then totally. breakups and they were and awful to her. Yeah. and she still got shit for it. So you know, probably Daisy Jones yeah, and right. um, Billy. No, sorry. Who who did I just say in Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> uh, oh, it's Stevie Nicks. Yeah, so I th- yeah. So I think Daisy Jones and Stevie Nicks were probably in those same situations with society looking at them as like, oh, this fucking woman's like ruining this relationship and going to break this band up. Whereas like if you, you know, we at least have Daisy Jones um, perspective here and I'm sure we could probably get Stevie Nicks if there might be like a documentary or a a memoir or something. I probably should have read that before this uh, episode. It must be so difficult, even being a rock star. Yeah. But it must still just be so difficult 
to exist in that time as a woman trying to like I mean, there was a lot of that with Karen too, where it's like, totally. I just want to be a fucking member of the band here. You yeah. know, she I just don't... wants mu- she wants to play music. She doesn't care about all their bullshit. Yeah, but because Karen she's... and Daisy are so different, all three of the women in that book are so different. Yeah, I love that. But sorry, just about Daisy. What did you think of her growth as a person? Like for me, that was the biggest arc of growth of any. Actually, that's not true. Carrie Soto also has an incredible growth arc, but Daisy Jones really grows throughout the story. And like, don't you think? I feel like she more grows like at the very end of the story. I mean, yeah, because all of it happens within what one year? All the interviews. I mean... Because they were only a band for, like, a year. They only had one album. They were a band for a year, but, like, they existed prior. I was looking up the timeline, actually. Yeah, um, And the Dunn Brothers and their band uh, were existing as their thing prior to Daisy Jones, obviously. But yeah. for quite a few years. Like, they put out their um, self-titled album, and it did pretty well. And then they put out another one, and then they were like, oh, we should bring a... a a duet in for yeah. one of these songs, and that was Daisy Jones. And then yeah. they go on tour and blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, Daisy was also doing her thing prior to that, trying to yeah. put out her own album. But then the uh, producers didn't want her lyrics. They wanted her to just be, like, a hot, you know, pop star, basically. That ain't Daisy. That ain't Daisy. No, um no. And so, like, there was a lot of lot of time there. It didn't all just happen. I don't think in a it year. was. Yeah, I mean, for sure. But she was also very young. Like, this isn't growth. This is like, like the the time that you're giving her is like from what she's eighteen to twenty. Like, I don't know. I like, guess, I could see yeah. if you said eighteen to thirty, or like some of the other stories that we're about to re- like talk and read about. They had such bigger growth arc timelines. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like I didn't really see much growth. No, like, it was obviously, like the, com- no. compared to the Daisy who's being interviewed. Yeah, I mean, she's old now and like Sorry. You know, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but. but like also at the like we're just gonna jump right to the end. But at the end, Daisy is the one who inevitably says go to Billy to run to Camila and like go back to her because Daisy is the one that realizes they are toxic together. That they're two flames and that doesn't work together. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like she might have known a bit of that all she throughout. Because she thought they were perfect for each other and she just wanted him. She didn't care about Camilla or their or their child children in the but books. Child they were, and the they were still station. holding off though. I mean, was that was that more I think Billy she than let it was... Billy free. I think she like released him and she chose to she she never looked back. She never joined the band again. She had like she fully went her separate way because that was the only way to like let Billy go because Camilla and her had an understanding. Well, yeah, there was that conversation between her and epic. Camilla and Camilla was like, Camilla. he's in love with you and you have to not be in the band anymore. Mm-hmm. Which and that's like, the thing is she, enough. but like early Daisy, early Daisy pre married to the Prince guy. I don't think she would have left with if Camilla had said that. I think she had some growth. <laughs> Um, she definitely did have some growth, but like yeah. it wasn't like drastic growth by any means. I mean, uh. I don't know because it's hard because for a lot of their relationship, the, a bigger relationship to talk about is Daisy and Billy's relationship with drugs and alcohol. So that's like the bigger relationship that was within their situation for me. Yeah, I um, I actually really liked that this didn't become because I, I was worried it was um, that it didn't become the. Like, I guess it's not really cliche, but, like, because it just happens so much where the, the story about a rock uh, band mm-hmm. in the 70s yeah. is about, you know, the lead singer 
being addicted to drugs and then relapsing and having it ruin his life and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That that wasn't inevitably what ended the band. No, yeah. And yeah. I, I, I love that, you know, Billy, with all his faults, managed, like, you know, he, he went through all that, slept with all these people and yeah. did all these drugs. And then his daughter was born. And Camilla was like, yeah, that's it, man. Like, Get you're, your you're with us. Oh, I and, loved he, that. and he did. Yeah. And he did. And then, like, Daisy was a whole thing. It's because Camilla's was... good for him and Daisy's not. Yeah. And he was, like, keeping it at bay and they had different uh, different tour buses. Oh, I loved and, that. like, the whole time I was waiting for the shoe to drop of, like, oh, Billy's just going to, like, relapse. And then, I mean, like, he does. He drinks he, a he, shot, he, but, he like, does. it isn't yeah. a full relapse. Yeah. And that, like, I was waiting for him to just completely relapse, like, with totally. Daisy and it just yeah. be this huge dramatic thing. But that's not what happened. But... I do think that instead of drugs, like Daisy was a drug mm-hmm. to him. Yep. And like he was holding himself back from Daisy. Yeah. And I think Daisy's lifestyle was also a part of the reason why he wanted her so bad was because that was like the side of Billy where he could do drugs, he could drink. And I think that made Daisy more attractive to him in a way, like subconsciously. I think that his addiction was showing up through his love for Daisy. That's what I honestly think. And then to reframe this, too, because, like, uh, let's not... I mean, it's Daisy Jones in the Six, not Billy Dunn in the Six. So let's frame it more from Daisy's perspective. Yeah. Where I do wonder if, like, part of why Billy was so enticing to her was because he existed as this, like, solid... Family man. Family man. And, like, she was existing in the rock and roll, like, tumultuous drug world. And she's like, oh, man, like, that... What Camilla has... That's solid. You You also have to think where Daisy is from. Like Daisy craves love and like family more than anyone else in this entire book because she was neglected and ignored and belittled by her own parents, specifically her mother. And I think that that translates to like she sees this conventionally happy family in Billy, Camilla, and then their kids. And I think that there is a drive there for her as well. Like that's the thing is Daisy and Billy's love isn't like that it's much deeper than you'd think because it's not actually about I think that they do connect on their creative level but I think it's so much deeper of they're wanting what's like beyond what the other one has yeah like they're seeing in each other the thing that like they desperately want they yearn for yeah that isn't necessarily like that person it's what they represent um i did i know that you want to talk more about daisy and and of course the book's called that but i do want to dig into especially now that we're talking about billy's addiction is comparing billy and graham's journey with drugs and alcohol because for some reason billy is hit harder than graham is um in that way like graham he's not he's not what's the word for somebody who doesn't doesn't do drugs or anything He's not straight edge. Yeah. Like he's definitely like doing drugs and he's drinking, but it's never to the extreme at which Billy had that. And I had a thought reading it that, you know, Graham was younger when their father abandoned them and Billy still remembers it. And I think that that tumultuous upbringing affected Billy in a way it just didn't affect Graham. And I thought that was really interesting seeing both of their exact same pass they're both in this band they're both projected to stardom they're both going through that but yet graham keeps his nose clean you know like there's something there's different there between him and billy and i know they're different people fictitious people but like it's i just thought that was interesting because graham is younger and it does point to the fact that when they do see their dad in the club in that one scene at the beginning 
the scene, I always say scene, in the one part of the book when they run into their dad, um, Graham doesn't recognize him. Billy does because Graham was too young. And so for me, that like triggered something in my mind. And I was like, this is making so much more sense why Billy is having such a hard time compared to Graham. Yeah, I do. I do wonder about that, too, because so much of Billy really falling into the pit of drugs and, you know, uh, promiscuity and all that um, happened before having a kid. Yeah. Right. Like he did have a wife, though. Yeah. I mean, he was already I think uh, it wasn't he like drinking quite a bit before they got married. I can't remember. I'm I'm not sure. But But what I'm getting at here is that like. I'm sure that both Billy and Graham, yeah, Graham had like deep rooted stuff when it came to their dad. And maybe to Billy, it was like, oh, like I'm afraid of fatherhood. I'm afraid of like yeah. becoming my father. Yeah. I. Oh, definitely that affected I him. I need to like live my rock star life first. In yeah. fact, Camilla was like, here, have a few months to yeah. do that. But Camilla's then once, a badass. once I have the kid, like you're locked in, baby. Yeah. Um, but I think he stayed true to it because a lot of like why he actually stayed with his sobriety, I think has a lot to do with him not being his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's Unlike being me. afraid to be his father. Yeah. But whereas with, um, but with Graham's Graham, not afraid. He's dying to be a father. Well, yeah. Like, yes, he's not like, uh, you know, using drugs and sleeping around as a way drugs, of, but yeah. of, well, yeah, he definitely yeah. used drugs, but oh. like he's not <laughs> using them. As like oh, a way to escape from yeah. like the idea of becoming his dad, because he didn't see yeah. his dad as like a bad father. Totally, totally. So he instead is like, I want to create this like beautiful family dynamic. I, I yeah. want a wife with kids. Yeah. And Karen very much not. Like she just wants yeah. to be a rock star. Wait, before we jump into that, because I'm obsessed with Karen really and Brad. I know I you really do. But I just want to ask about one more relationship before we hop into that. What did you think of Billy and Graham's actual relationship though as brothers? Like you have two brothers and I'm just curious like what you thought of their relationship because they have a very interesting relationship as well. I honestly don't remember too much of their relationship. That's the thing. That's because, so my thought process is with that is Graham always just kind of had Billy's back Mm -hmm. and he didn't really speak up. Even in the interviews, you'll notice he never says anything bad about Billy. He will acknowledge Billy has struggles, Mm -hmm. but he never like goes out of his way to say anything. And the only time he ever goes against Billy is putting a song on the album that Daisy wants and Billy doesn't. If you don't, if you remember that, they all vote. And that's the only time in the whole book that Billy, that sorry, Graham goes against uh, Billy, I'm pretty sure. And so I thought that was really interesting how loyal they are to each other. Well, Graham is uh, Billy. I don't know if the same was I, yes, the yes, other way around. Because they had, someone talked about uh, removing, I think it was Eddie, oh, yeah, something yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. Graham. And Billy was like, not a fucking chance. And yeah. didn't even, like, they are so good to each other. But it isn't, like, out in the open. Like, it's not a very, like, like even you were like, I don't really remember their relationship. Like, it wasn't really at the forefront. But I actually really loved their relationship. I vaguely remember a part in the show. And I think Graham tried to go to Billy with, like... And a, a, it was about Karen's pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think Billy was there for him. No, because Billy was uh, about to relapse. That yeah. was the episode where oh. he was like, I think he does relapse and drinks. It's tough when two people need to lean on each other at the same time, <laughs> yeah. you know, and both people just collapse inward. But that's the thing is they just couldn't. There was, was times in the book where Graham was definitely more there for Billy than Billy ever was for Graham. But I don't know. It's tricky because, like I said, Graham didn't struggle with the addictions that Billy did. Yeah, and, and I, I get that too. As a younger brother to an older brother, like yeah. I remember as a kid, I like I idolized my older brother. I wanted to hang out with him and his friends, and yeah. I I 
think I remember this situation in the band where it was like um, Graham and his friends were like just playing some music, and then yeah. Billy was like, "Hey, like I can I can jump in, you yeah. know." And then that's how it all kind of happened. So now it's like Billy with Graham and his buddies yeah. is what started this whole thing. Totally. So Graham's probably like, oh, you know, like we got to be, we got to be cool for Billy. Well, he clearly idolizes his brother. Definitely. Yeah. Which is very cool. But sorry, I wanted to hop into that before we talk about Graham and Karen. So we talked a little bit about Graham wanting children. And then you mentioned Karen did not. Um, did you simp- So the situation is Karen gets pregnant and she wants an abortion and Graham wants her to keep it. And she essentially says like, well, who's going to raise it? Because I want to be in this band. And he was like, well, uh, and he like didn't have an answer. That was yeah. the thing. And so I was just curious, did you personally empathize with Graham or Karen? Obviously, Or Karen. sympathize. Same, same. I mean, like, you know, to give some context, like, both me and Alyssa um, individually <laughs> don't want children. Yeah. Um, I have had a vasectomy. Like, that train has long left the station. Oh. And, you know, like, power to Karen, especially the in the 70s. Oh, thank you. Um, power to Karen for being like especially in that situation too because like realistically they both have the same job right like they're both making the same money they're both doing the same thing it comes with the same weight so it exists so much outside of like what the patriarchy put women in where it's also it's the 70s uh roe v wade didn't even happen until 1973 so like that was like the peak time of this bullshit and she wanted to get an abortion like that just shows how badly she does not want a child yeah i feel like it, it's a very 500 days of summer situation where off the jump she says like hey like this just we're just having fun here like this isn't yeah. as serious as you know but Graham was clearly very in love with her since the beginning yeah and wanting it to become this like beautiful family marriage kind of thing and like hey man like it's also like surprisingly in my experience in in like um relationships it's usually the other way around where the where the guy's like i'm not looking for anything serious and the girl's like i can change him like i feel i feel like it was like the gender roles were kind of swapped in karen and 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 graham and i think that was probably on purpose um but i just find that really interesting that that's because that's how i i know that it can go both ways it's just more commonly you see it as the other way around yeah, yeah, that's that's very true, and I don't know. It, it's tough, especially because they're not. It's not just like, oh, okay, well, never mind. Like, we'll, we'll go our separate ways. It's like, <laughs> no, you're in a band together. Yeah, you're gonna be seeing each other. They're stuck together. Yeah, and he, poor, poor little Graham. Just, oh. I'm glad that in the end he like got himself a little family and everything yeah. was nice. He got to be a dad, but like. Yeah, what did you think about... So at the end, he was, like, very happy with his family. He had, like, moved on, and then they asked Karen. And she was, like, essentially, like, yeah, I think about Graham sometimes. And she, like, clearly very much still cared about him, is how I read it. I almost want to find it in the book, but the way that she said it, I was, like, it was kind of sad because she always made it seem like we just talked about she didn't care, but I think she actually really was in love with him. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she was. But she would have never said that in the book. Yeah, but and I love the, that about at her. the she same time, I don't think there was any sort of like regret there, Mm-mm. right? Like she, no, she knew off the yeah. jump that like we are not endgame here. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have been endgame. Take out the child situation. If he didn't want children, I think they could have ended up together. 
Well, I mean, her priority was always to the be band. a rock star. And she was. Not, not even, even the after band, Daisy Jones just, and the Six. Just to do music. Her yeah. priority was music. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just the band because she left yeah. a different band for this band. Yeah, she did. And she went to another band after this one. I think she went to like one or two. I can't remember, but it was something along those lines. I don't know. I I really love Karen. I think Karen might be one of my favorite characters in this book, if not my favorite. But I do want to talk about the relationship between Karen and Camilla. Since we're talking about Karen not wanting children, Camilla is the opposite. She wants a family. She wants a big family, but she never judges Karen uh, for not wanting a child. She even drives her to abort her abortion. What did you think about their relationship? It was what Camilla, Camilla, mm-hmm. it was what Camilla couldn't get from Daisy because mm-hmm. um, of the whole Billy situation. You mean like a friendship? Yeah, or okay. like someone who like like Karen understood the situation, obviously. Yeah. Like, and it's a very interesting, very unique situation of like my relationship is a little messed up because of rock stardom, right? Yeah. So I'm sure that they can both relate in that regard because again, um, Karen is dating Graham, who mm-hmm. also is a rock which star. Camilla notices the only person in the entire group that even notices that nobody else noticed. Yeah, and like, there's got to be that sense of uh, womanly camaraderie. Well, see, that's where it gets tricky too because. Daisy or sorry not Daisy when Billy is cheating on Camilla before the baby is born uh, she calls and Karen picks up and Karen goes I don't know Camilla and she will not rat out Billy because she's in a weird spot with the band so she like girl code she really didn't have Camilla's back but I think their relationship actually grew later well at the time of that I I don't think that they were very close right like Camilla hadn't come out still I remember being like California. I would have probably told her because I'm shady, but I just for but, women. Uh, yeah, yeah, I and can't. then and then at that point, well, again, we're talking. Karen's priority is I know playing you're music, right, you're right, and that would jeopardize yeah. um, the band and her getting to play music. So, yeah. and while well, that was before, you know, establishing a friendship with Camilla, I think yeah. so. Any any other time. <laughs> Yeah. Afterwards, but yeah, that was that was pretty shady. That was that was tough to see. But that was early. You're right, though. That was very early, and their relationship grew a lot from then. And I, I just, I really loved what it grew into because they just had. It wasn't. You could tell more in the books and than, than the show. Just the way that those two interacted, I just really loved Camilla and Karen. And then I also loved Karen and Daisy because Karen always had Daisy's back in every decision. She was not afraid to stand up to Billy. The opposite of Graham. She she always it was always like Karen being like fuck yeah to Daisy and she knew Daisy was a mess like she looked out for her but she wasn't mothering her because that's not Karen's nature yeah well I mean I feel like that probably also comes from both of them having this innate understanding that like we're punching up here like we are working against the grain Mm -hmm. given the industry given the 70s like uh, as women here in this male dominated industry male dominated band we both need to look out for each other, obviously. So, and like, you know, not that they ever had that conversation explicitly, but like, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, oh, Daisy's getting shit on for something. It doesn't matter whether or not that's because she's a woman. It's like, no, 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 like you need, you need an ally here. Totally. Um, What, sorry, in your opinion, did you like Camilla and Billy or Billy and Daisy? 
Like, who did you root for when you were reading it? I was never rooting for Daisy and Billy. Yeah, me neither. Never, Not for ever. one second. Yeah. I was like, girl, get your shit together. I don't know why I blamed her, but I think because she was so chaotic and like, I'll never, I think the scene, the scene, the part of the book that sent out to me and like the writing in this part was really good is when Billy went to her hotel and she got out of the pool and cut her foot on glass. Do you remember that? No. She like, she was so fucked up on drugs. She didn't even notice that she oh, sliced her yeah, foot yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was like bleeding. She was just so chaotic. And I was like, girl, like I just could not even, and I know that that's addiction and like it's a disease, but it was so hard. I was like in that moment I was cringing and I was like, I just go home to Camilla, man. Yeah. Like this is just too much much chaos well again i i feel like when it comes to like choosing between billy and camilla or billy and daisy it's mm-hmm. daisy represents the party world adult, yeah. you know rock star lifestyle and it's yeah. um and i think that's the only reason he truly loved her I'm doing quotations with my fingers was because i don't think that they he like loved daisy well that that brings the question then the end of the book where it's like hey dad like but she had grown at that point. Yeah. You just spoiled it. We hadn't talked about the hey dad part yet. But like does... <laughs> but then like, you know, so does he not still love the, the grown version of Daisy that isn't like doing the drugs and being kind of wild? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But you know what? Yes, though. I do think so. Let me answer my own question here. <laughs> yeah, you go. Because I do think that like they did fall in love with each other um, in the deeper sense when they were uh, artistically artistically when they were writing lyrics together and talking about their pasts and i just can't imagine connecting with someone over art uh the thing that i was meaning to bring up about daisy and billy Mm -hmm. was billy's songwriting yeah and so much of it was about camilla oh yeah yeah, yeah. and daisy had to sing these songs but she was also given the opportunity to rewrite them yeah and that was honeycomb that was the big deal there honeycomb where she just kind of adjusted the uh the song to make it like not about this loving relationship Yeah. yeah It turns um, into a question, I think, if it, I remember. Yeah, it right. turns into a question. Yeah. Um, if he can stay sober. That's what it is, to to be good there for Camilla. I think that was, like, the lines. Yeah. Something along that. Yeah, so that must have, like, been another aspect of that relationship, growing yeah. together, of almost, like, bearing themselves, not necessarily saying, these are my feelings, this is how I feel, but, like... Mm-hmm doing so through songwriting and poetry oh they definitely wrote and you you hear it when they're writing the album together like not the one where she's taking his lyrics and changing it the one they're writing together they are definitely writing to each other oh god like yeah. that's how they're expressing their interests because neither of them can communicate to save their fucking lives unless it's through music but it's also like this is so obvious you guys oh, like come I, on imagine being like karen eddie and graham in the room when they're bringing those songs to you and they start singing it you're like i would have been like oh this is awkward <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you guys are being sus. I feel like we're third, fourth, fifth, sixth <laughs> wheeling here. Yeah, literally. Um, what do you think motivated Camilla to stay with Billy, though? Like, why do you think she... Because for me, like, I am so... The second he was, like, crazy with Daisy, I'd have been like, okay, see you later. Oh, the money for... No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> you know what? It was the 70s, and he was a famous musician. Well, I mean... But I think she really loved him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I like that they started seeing each other when they were playing, uh, when the band was playing wedding gigs, you know, like he wasn't any sort of a a rock star at the time. And, you know, they they had a a child on the way. That's a huge factor for people staying together and making it work for the kids. 
But I do think she genuinely loved him. Yeah, I think that they had like a real love connection. And that's why Camila stayed. I think she always saw the best in Billy, whereas Daisy always saw the worst in Billy. Yeah, yeah. And I also wonder too, like, because Camilla met him before the drugs and before the stardom and all that. And I think that that might have been a lot of the issue with Billy, like trying to stay true to the man he was when him and Camilla started seeing each other. Yeah. And the rock star doing drugs, sleeping around kind of guy. Yeah. That I feel like, uh, you know, that's that's the rock star dream, right? Is it? (laughs) <laughs> maybe I mean maybe that maybe that's I like more to think of a, Harry Styles would never be like that <laughs> maybe that's like a, more of a teenage boy thing of like uh, I want to be a rock star it's and, very almost famous yeah, I get you I get famous. you did you see the twist coming at the end via their daughter I mean I never really thought too much about who might yeah. have been interviewing it blew uh, it, my mind the, the the story could have ended without the interviewer even being revealed totally. right and but it, it would have been added fine. that extra element and made them more unreliable I, I do like how it framed the unreliability because yes. it's like now you know who I think that was to. the key part I don't know how I feel about the whole like you know tell Billy to go call oh. Daisy Jones it gave me a little bit too much of uh, how I met your mother ending flashback I don't know though that's a PTSD. common thing that, that's a common thing though when someone is dying they will often turn to their partner and be like I hope that you meet someone else that's like a very common thing because they don't want them to be lonely and without them so for me Camilla is so selfless throughout the entire fucking book she gives up her entire life for Billy to follow his dreams for her to be selfless in the end and tell him to go pursue Daisy Jones feels so on brand to me for Camilla that it's like insane like I think that is the most Camilla thing that she did it is I don't know I just just... you I know you get the ick you're you're like very I don't know okay so anyone who doesn't know Chandler he's very like against any sort of infidelity or cheating or lying in relationships he's a very open communication he's not like against I'm just gonna speak for you like open (laughs) open relationships or like polyamory or anything like that as long as it's communicated and not like a cheating mentality and so I know this about Chandler but um yeah so I feel like the ideology to you of seeing like Billy and Daisy together in any aspect at this point it seems I'm guessing is not ideal for you like I'm sure it's no like it's fine (laughs) like once someone dies sure like that's okay go on go off you know (laughs) go off sis but it it definitely and like it again the name of the book is Daisy Jones and the Six so it is about Daisy Jones yeah but it did just feel a little bit like one of those, like, oh, how uh, convenient that uh, someone died so that now that... I mean, it, they were so old at that point, though. It's like he gave his life to Camilla. But like, oh, like, how convenient now. Do you now think they, they would have actually dated? Do you think they would have gotten together? And if it would have worked, do you think so? I don't know. Like, it seemed like the whole, the whole book was about this relationship shouldn't work. Like, Literally. no, like, these are bad. These people are bad for each other. Yeah. But, like, there is still love there. Like, they grew, but I don't think that they're... I think without the drugs and alcohol and the partying, taking all of that out of it and the, like, adventure between, like, he's married and, like, all those aspects, take that out and just put the Billy and Daisy together. I don't think they're compatible. Oh, that's my thought process. Normal ass people, like, having a mediocre situation. I just don't you know? think it's, like, maybe yeah. that's me. People probably disagree, but that's my. Yeah, view on sound it. off in the comments, everybody. <laughs> what comments? Are uh, there comments? I, on? I, there might be uh, comments. I don't know. YouTube, <laughs> if we put it on there. Okay, so let's talk about Teddy Price and his role and relationship with Billy, because he didn't really have much of a relationship with the rest of the band other than Daisy, because he did connect with Daisy. 
Daisy and he did look out for her. But he was like a father figure. He too, was such to a Billy. to both of them. He never mm-hmm. he never sexualized Daisy in any way like most men would to a young beautiful woman. He looked out for Daisy and he looked out for Billy and he put their best interests um, at heart, which is so rare in the music industry. And yeah, Billy was like his sorry, uh, Teddy was Billy's point of contact for like sobriety. Mm-hmm. which I really loved. And Teddy was one of my favorite characters in the book. And in the show, I don't know if it was in the book, but definitely in the show, he was the one to drive Billy to, he was, it was in the, to the hospital. Yeah, but then the when Billy too. was like, I can't fucking do this. He was like, all right, well, we got a different place to take you to then, buddy. Yeah. And right, then, um, I think then, he paid for Billy's rehab. I'm pretty sure. Probably. Yeah. I don't and, need to Google it. It's fine. And then, um, you know, his death was the cause of, Billy's relapse yeah yeah well yeah part of it yeah for sure and he didn't have any that was always his person to call if he was struggling and he couldn't call him as well which was heartbreaking yeah good old Teddy Theodore (laughs) your hero I feel like TJR always has to kill someone yeah, who did she kill? And Evelyn Hugo, she killed, she killed everyone. I mean, Daisy yeah. Jones, she killed Teddy. Carrie Soto, the dad. And, oh, yeah. fucking spoiler alert yeah, for other TJR books. Nina, Sorry, everybody. Oh, the mom in Malibu Yep. That was sad, too. Damn, yeah. A lot of dead I parents mean, out here. Death, everybody dies. Universe. It's terrifying. Yeah, death truly comes to us all. And with that, I feel like we'll end our... Yeah. Unless there's anything else you got here. <laughs> no, I was going to ask you if there was anything else you wanted to talk about because I know that you were really passionate about this one. Um, no, I think I'm good. We, we covered are, we I, are a at lot an of hour and five minutes. Oof. So I mean, a lot of it'll be cut. There's time, but um, yeah. I do think that you we covered a lot of relationships in that one, and there were some really good ones in this book. I'd say there's more relationships to talk about somehow than Evelyn Hugo. And her, and her seven husbands. Yeah, Because it should be Evelyn Hugo and her seven husbands and not the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yeah. Let's be real. Of I course. guess it would have been a little too close to the seven dwarves at that point. I guess so. But, um, yeah, I am stoked we were able to talk about that. So thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Read the Room. Um, yeah, thanks, Megan and Carly. <laughs> if you would hit that subscribe button and leave us a review, that would... Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> I knew you were <laughs> Smash the like button. Um, yeah, that would really help. That's how we get noticed on, um, what is this called? Notice Podcast us. website. Well, yeah, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, yeah. all that jazz. And uh, also connect with us on social media. Uh, we're Read the Room, so you can find us there. Okay, uh, uh, next week, tune in. We're going to do Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Oh, yeah. See Surf's up, baby. <laughs> Jesus. Bye. <laughs>